Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 138, and we are here with Kyle Gillette, an expert in marketing and business and leadership. And we are going to talk about his new book, Right Now Leadership, in a few minutes. Let me pay the bills first. If you haven't bought my book, what are you waiting for? Sell a million. Now's a, probably the greatest time in the last 10 years to buy this book. Over 101 uh, ways, tips to make more money selling mattresses and furniture. Best compliment I ever got on this book was from my friend, Doug Stewart. He said, Pete, take the word, take the word mattresses and furniture out of there. It's just a great marketing book about business in general. Um, one thing I want to mention real quick is my dear friend, Steve Hauk, who has sponsored this show for many, many, many episodes. Mattress Industry Network Group is a free Facebook group, over 2,000 strong, maybe over 2,200 strong by this point. All you have to do if you're in our industry is just scan that QR code, join the group, and welcome to a whole new world, a world where we help support you. You're no longer alone. And I got to tell you something. If you want to learn how to market, and how to merchandise better, how to advertise better, how to sell and succeed in the mattress industry. Join this group. It's 100% free. There's so much talent in this group. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm going to give a special shout out to my dear friend, Bob Munkle, aka Uncle Munkle. He has a great course that I'm actually taking on Thursday. So join us. Uh, go into the furniture. Uh, furniture mattress industry network group, and you'll find a post by Steve for uh, Bob's training. It's this Thursday at noon to three, and it's basically the role of a mattress for a good night's sleep. Everybody that's taken this course absolutely loves it. And I want to give a, a shout out to Sean Moore. Sean is an RSA at Mattress World Northwest. Thank you for watching my podcast and thank you for buying my book. And hello, South Africa. Guy and Kyle Danes are joining us from South Africa. We're glad you're here. And without a further to do, let's bring our guest out. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, I want to be in that Facebook group. Sounds like a great group. I need to start selling mattresses, apparently, so I can get in there. It's a, it's a, it's a great group. And anybody in the mattress industry is welcome. Uh, to join the group. Um, but listen, right now, in today's new world that we find ourselves in, after the ups and the downs of the last few years, and we don't know if we're going up or going down right now, you know, things are, are challenging and they're spotty, but then there's bright highlights and there's, it's, it's like a roller coaster ride. And so my question is this. There are some universal uh, things about leadership, and I want to get into those in a future question, near future, next half hour or so. But what's changed? What's changed in leadership? And what, or, or, or maybe a better question is what needs to change right now to be a more effective leader? Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've noticed with 
my clients and the people that I've worked with in the past and being being a leader in an organization with a lot of employees, what has shifted big time is the the power of the employee. And what I mean by that is they they have more sway on a business than a lot of employers are used to. And that's bad and that's good. It's bad because most employers don't know how to handle that. And it's good because that means the employees who are very smart, very capable can enhance and improve the organization significantly. But employers need to know how to leverage that. And a lot of leaders don't. They really struggle with that. And so part of part of what I'm doing with my clients is helping them to figure that out and come up with simple processes and conversations even to leverage the power of the unconscious mind is what I say, the, the unconscious mind of their employees. And that is definitely very different than it was going back four or five years ago. It, it So specifically, what would you recommend that an employer who's maybe struggling with leadership of his employees or her employees right now what what could they start to do today to start moving in the right direction in terms of communication with the team and becoming a more effective leader of a team where the dynamics have shift? Yeah, for sure. I'm working with a landscaping uh, business. They do. They actually. It's a funny combination. It's a landscaping business, and then they do um, like handyman work. And so on the landscaping division, I was coaching the, the department head of that. And we were having conversations about how people are consistently bringing him problems. And then he's always providing a solution to them, which is, you know, leadership, allegedly. And so I challenged him with a simple question. I said, the next time someone comes to you with a problem, ask them this forward question. What do you think? That's mm-hmm. it. That, and then shut up. <laughs> you ask the forward question, what do you think? And then you shut up. And he did that. And he, he told me, I think it was a week later that they came up with this brilliant solution for the way that they do scheduling and the way that they interacted with a very specific client. And they, meaning the employees came up with the solution and all he did was put it in, put it into play or let them do it. And it worked out fantastically. So in a very simple way, very practical way, one of the things that we can do as leaders is just to start with that question when we're presented with a problem. What do you think? And genuinely mean that question. Don't just say it flippantly, but mean it when you ask it. And that's that's one of the questions as part of a, a five-part process that that I describe as to help people empower others. Uh, but that question is a great catalyst. It's easy. And if you walk away with that, you're going to be impacting your business and the people you lead in powerful ways for sure. One of the things that really frustrates my uh my my store owners is uh, the lack of thinking of their employees, and you know my question to them becomes: Have you let them know that you want them to solve their own problems? Right, and have you given them the authority to do that? And have you shared with them your decision making criteria? Um. I, I was, you know, so so I just have to go backwards and share something with you, Kyle. You, I mentioned Doug Stewart, right? Mm. So Doug Stewart, on one of my early podcasts, uh, talked about there's no such thing as a self-made man. 
And boy, did I rail against that in my mind. I'm going, no, I am a self-made man. And then I started to think about my mother, my father, my brothers, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, my coaches. And I go, I'm not a self-made man. I have been blessed with great mentors, great relationships. And one of my early mentors, he would, every time I asked him a question, he would give me the answer, but he didn't stop there. He gave me the proverbial rest of the story. And the rest of the story was his criteria for making that decision. And he would actually say, Pete, if it was blah, blah, blah amount, I would say no, but it's this amount. And because of that, the risk is smaller. And I am saying yes to this, but I would not always say yes to this. And here's the criteria for saying yes. And here's the criteria for saying no. And it was just invaluable mentoring. Uh, so that when he left and he was out of town after I had worked for him for about a year, I mean, I made the decisions exactly the way he made the decisions. But why? Not because I had ESP. It's because he laid it out step by step by step. I knew what his criteria was. I knew exactly how his mind worked. And, and listen, I didn't make them all right. Once in a blue moon, I'd make a wrong one and he'd sit down with me and he'd say, Pete, this is why I would have gone the other way on it, but we'll, we'll get through this. And, and, you know, so one of the, the most fundamental things that I ask is, have you let your employees know that you want them to be empowered to make these decisions? And, and yes, if you have a question, bring it to me, but let's talk about it and let's talk about it in some detail. What say you? I see you're kind of wanting to chomp at the bit there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a, a client that's a teacher or she's actually a school administrator that, for a private school. So she has 20 plus teachers that work for her and she's expanding and done really well. Started with her and then one teacher and then now she's at 20 teachers, two different locations, expanding to a third location. And we were constantly working on her getting out of the way of herself. She's a great leader. She really is. And her employees trust her and listen to her. But now she's realizing that if she's going to get to this next phase of life, this next phase in business, that she has to get out of her, her own way. And that means empowering the people around her. So I've used that word a couple of times, and I kind of want to describe what it means in a little bit more detail, at least how I interpret what that word means, because it's a buzzword. And it can be kind of a boring word if it's not defined well, because, oh, great, he's going to talk about empowerment. Oh, everybody's heard that before. So let me define it a little bit and I'd love to walk through the, the process that I help my clients with because it is, it really is empowering uh, to the point where they can have a heck of a lot more freedom in their business. So one of the, one of the things, Pete, that I want to ask you about is what was the last movie that you watched in the theaters that you were just riveted by or fascinated by? Oppenheimer. Okay. So fairly recent, obviously. So yeah. you're, you're on the edge of your seat, fascinated, focused attention watching this thing. And this is the way that I challenge people to start in their relationship with their employees is to start with fascination. Assume that the employees that you're working with are 
fascinating. They're brilliant. They have, it's just a wonderful thing. They are wonderful people and their stories are amazing. What they have bring to the table is amazing. Because the way our unconscious mind works is if we assume that they're dumb or that they can't perform well or that they're just going to be pushing numbers or just doing the mundane for us, then we're going to treat them that way in the way that we interact with. Unconsciously, this happens. And it's not because we're bad people or we think the people around us aren't very intelligent. It's just we go to that path because we're busy with other things going on in our lives and most and in our business. But if you start with the assumption that they're fascinating, and that they are brilliant and they have fantastic insights, you're on the edge of your seat, ready to see and hear and understand what's going on with them. And so now your unconscious mind is tuned into this new layer about that person. And that brings us to the second part, which is start with fascination. Second part says study, right? If you're going to empower people, you have to study. And when I say study, I'm not referring to studying books or watching videos to get better at leadership, I'm talking about studying the people that you're leading. If you study them and you know their personality quirks, you know the the things that motivate them, the things that don't motivate them, their strengths or limitations. Now, when you get to the third step, which is ask them powerful questions so they can think for themselves, it's easy because you're fascinated by them. You know a lot more about who they are, so you can ask the right question that will really drum up powerful thinking for them. And now you have these solutions that they bring to you or these new insights and innovations that they bring to you. And if you have a team of people that operate that way, they're going to treat each other that way. And of course, now you have a mastermind built into your business of success of people coming up with brilliant insights. And you're just sitting back going, wow, some good employees and you're getting way better results, right? So that's the third thing. The fourth is now that they're at this new level of thinking, you can hold them to a higher level of accountability, which is a whole nother layer of discussion. But you can hold them to that higher level of accountability because now they're thinking differently and they're thinking freely and thinking for themselves. And once you've done that, now the little failures and the big successes and the big failures and the big successes can be celebrated, right? That's the fifth piece is as you walk through those four pieces, be fascinated study your people, ask them open-ended, powerful questions, shut your mouth and listen to what they have to say, hold them at a high level of accountability, and then celebrate the littlest of things and the biggest of things in whatever nuanced way makes sense for each of the employees. It sounds like a lot, but they're going to start to just feed off of it themselves. So that's when I talk to my clients about empowering their teams, that's exactly the path that I urge them to go through. Hmm. There's a lot there. Uh, And am I assuming correctly? Let's see what Guy Danes has. How much does personality styles play in leadership? Thank you. I'm going to let you have at it, then I'm going to go at it, but I have a feeling I won't have anything to say after you go. But yeah, yeah, Kyle, have have at that question. It's a great question. Thanks for the question, Guy. I, I would say big time, right? But I think more it's on the side of the person that you're leading than your personality, right? If, if I'm leading someone and I don't know their personality, I don't know them too well, then I'm not going to lead them that well, regardless of my personality. So if I'm really good at being self-aware and paying attention to how I interact with other people and how they interact with me, then I can catch their personality and then ad- adapt and adjust my personality slightly to fit theirs. And so in my, in my work, I do a lot of assessments. I do it's just two assessments, but I do a lot of work with those assessments with my clients. So DISC is one of them. 
which is about your behavioral patterns. And then motivators is another, which is about your thinking patterns. So if the person, if the leader can understand that about themselves, that's wonderful, but even more powerful is going to be knowing the personality types of those that you lead and then adapting towards them in the moments that you need to. To me, that's the, that's the win for uh, leadership is when you can do that, treat people the way they want to be treated, you're winning. And, and most importantly, they are winning. The, the employee is winning. That's, that's right on the money. I, I would just add this guy and it's not part of, or Kyle. I, I don't know if it was Guy or Kyle, but I would just add this as well. Um, how they learn is part of this study in number two, study the people, how they learn, how they respond. Uh, you know, is this, is this a, a person who learns best visually? Are you better off writing it down, drawing a picture? Um, are you better off just saying it and saying it with meaning and, and, and they're an audible learner? Um, their learning style plays into this too. One of the things that I love about all of this is you start off with be fascinated with your new employee that that is really kicking into a principle of reflection. And when you are looking for the good, you find the good. When you are curious, you find more than when you're not curious. And the absolute, it's almost like a sea change in how traditionally employer, employers have viewed employees. It's like this person has amazing things that I can learn from them. And I want to learn everything there is to learn about them. And when you do that and you treat them that way, there is a new level of respect and caring that emanates from that. And, and to me, it's just a brilliant way to bring in a lot of other things that people might fight you on. Mm -hmm. So my hat is tip, Kyle. That is, uh, this, that, this, I, I would imagine that these five elements are what your book is all about, right? Uh, it's part of it for sure. Yeah. yeah That's those, only part of it. Yeah. So th this thing's just packed. Yeah. We haven't talked about the be a self-aware leader part or lead with accountability part or use a growth mindset part. So there's a, that's all. That's all wow. stuck in there very practically though, right? Very practically with stories. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. The thing, let me, let me uh, share something because some people might be pushing back on the idea, uh, that idea, the empowerment, maybe a component of it or something like that. Sure. Or wondering, well, how, how can I do that? Right. So I asked that question at the beginning. What do you think? That's a very simple starting point. Uh, and in the workplace, it's difficult to, to sit down with someone for an hour and just get to know them or whatever. Right. But, I have, I've challenged a lot of my clients and I've seen some of my clients do this on their own where they take their employees out to breakfast or to lunch or to coffee once a month or once every other month. And they're real intentional of spending 30 minutes with them and getting to know them. And we're not talking about personally. Okay. We're not talking about, Hey, what's going on with your, with your, your spouse or your kids? 
but if if the relationship's there, then great. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's that's maybe pushing it too far for some employees. I'm just talking about spending intentional time with them, even if it's just five minutes in the workplace. And in the book, I talk about all these opportunities to to coach as as leaders. And they're two to 12 minute opportunities. And I would say the exact same thing here because coaching is a part of empowerment. You have all these moments that are two minutes long that people interrupt you, right? You're in the middle of in your office, you're doing your work or you're, you're on site and you're doing your work or focused on something on site. And then someone comes up with a problem. Well, that's a two minute window to coach, empower and get to know that person. And when I say get to know them, we're mostly talking about the way they think which is back to Guy's question, which is about their personality, right? right? So that's a two minute opportunity for you to study the person, empower them with a simple question and buy some time when you say, what do you think? So that you can get into it with them because when you're interrupted, it's really hard for a brain to switch to the new focus. It takes, what's the time? I think it's 23 minutes to get back to what you're doing, but it's going to take a few moments at least to get focused on what they're asking you. So those are a couple ways that you can you can do that. And then the ego gets in the way too. So it's learning how to work with your ego, right? And let your let yourself not always have to be the one that's right or to get the credit and admit when we're wrong. And I suck at that. And so so I, I need to talk to you guys about how to how to work on that. But that's another thing too, is letting go of that ego so that you don't always have to be be right as a leader and and realize that. Like you were saying earlier, Pete, that there's brilliant insight available to you within the employees that work for you. Yeah, and you know one of one of one of the things, and I've seen this time and again, um, as I've studied coaching and I've studied consultants, um, universally the story is told. A check is written for twenty or thirty or forty, fifty thousand dollars to a consultant by an owner. What does the consultant do? He spends the next week talking to that person's employees, yep, and writing everything down they say, and compiling all the information before he or she goes forward with the recommendations. You could have done that on your own, and you didn't have to write a check for fifty thousand. So I love this. Be fascinated with your new employee. This well, any I'm interested. Go ahead. But it's not just new employee, any employee, right? If yes, start with that perspective of even if they've been working with you for 10 years, you want to start with that perspective of, you know what? I'm gonna shift gears because we have a million bits of information that comes in front of us every day. Every second, excuse me, not every day, every second. And so then we get to choose, like you were saying, Pete, we get to choose what we focus on and we only get to focus on it's roughly 125 bits of information consciously, right? So when we unconsciously choose to be fascinated, now those bits of information that are falling are are happening every second, we're choosing 125 of them, let's say, that are much more related to how amazing this person is versus how annoying this person is. I mean, we can do this with our spouses, with our kids. It's amazing how when you shift gears, uh, it 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 makes a big difference there. And I mean, I I can give you how I do that with my my family, but but anyway, I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> Actually, I want to hear about that. Tell me how you do this with your family. 
Sure. So I ha- thank you. So I have a mentor that I was I was getting real frustrated with my youngest daughter. She's now seven. And she and I are basically the same personality type. So we're just crashing. I'm dominant and, and uh, influence in the disc realm. And she's the same. And so she's just, we're just bumping heads. And so I'm whining to my mentor. And he basically says, shut up, Kyle, do something about it. So, so I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. And so we talk about it. And eventually we come up with this idea of simply to have a gratitude journal. And, and in the business world, I know that sounds a little funny. Even journaling, especially for men, sounds funny, but stick with me because it'll change your life if you're not already doing it. Do it. I've convinced all of my male clients to do it and it's making a difference for them instantly and they love it. They admit it and they love it. But what I did was I write down for each of my kids, so I have three daughters and then my wife, one thing I'm grateful for every single morning. And it could be something they did or a character trait. I try to lean more towards the character trait because that's more, you know, immutable and it's a little bit, um, I think it's more meaningful when you're focused on a character trait versus a task that was accomplished. But either way, when you do that, that's shifting my focus. So with my seven-year-old, instead of walking into her bedroom when it's not clean and she's not listening to me or whatever, instead of getting really irritated real quick, all of a sudden I have this different gratitude towards her. She's creative. She's, she's just playing with her Barbie doll. She's just having a good time. And I'm forcing her to switch gears and clean up when she's in her own world of, of imagination and fun. And I'm going, okay, you got to clean up. Now there's a shift for me and I have a lot more patience because I appreciate those things about her. And of course, you can flip this into the business world and come up with things that you're grateful for each of your employees and it will pivot your perspective on that employee in a very helpful way. Mm, that's great. Um, Building this mastermind within your company is very, very, very powerful. And when your employees feel like you are interested in their ideas, they are going to be much more forthcoming with those ideas. And sometimes what we do unknowingly as business owners is we suffocate their creativity. Um. I'm in the habit with my salespeople that are on my team of asking them when they bring me a problem to bring me the solution. They they all know by now, right? Don't bring me a problem without bringing me your recommended solution. And if you want me to rubber stamp that, great. I probably will. If you want me to expand on your thoughts, I'm happy to do that as well. And oftentimes there's no one right answer, right? There's, there's a lot of different, but as a company, if we can get our people to give us their creativity, we're going to be a better, stronger company because of it. And we are going to implement something in our business that helps our customers have a better experience before our competition does because we are creating this opportunity to share ideas and it's not punished. It's actually encouraged. It's, it becomes part of our culture as a company. Yep. Um, and this higher level of accountability, there's two levels to that, the way I see it. One is the external, and that is me as a leader. I expect more out of you. But the more important part for me 
is this level of accountability that this employee now feels towards our company mm-hmm. because he or she feels more connected to us because he or she is disappointed in themselves that they didn't do something that they should have. They looked at it in the rear view mirror and they said, you know what? I really should have handled that differently. And I really care about the success of our company and I'm holding myself accountable. To me, that's a whole nother level of leadership when you hit on that um, area, area. And then the last thing is this celebrate the victories and failures, the smallest and the biggest. Consistency is the key. I constantly harp on this every week. You know, don't let somebody make 10 big mistakes and then you come down on them like a ton of bricks. The first time they color outside the lines, you have to give them that feedback. And if possible, do it gently with respect. Don't let yourself get to the boiling point. And if you do get to the boiling point, I'm going to tell you this. It sounds funny. Put yourself in a timeout. (laughs) Tell a significant leader in your company what you're feeling and why you're feeling that. And usually what they'll say to you is, you know what, Pete? The first time he or she colored outside of the lines, you should have approached it. Now it's 10 in and you're pissed and you're boiling and you cannot go into a coaching session full of emotion. Cannot do that. So I've thrown a bunch of stuff out there. I know I see those wheels go and Kyle (laughs) coached me up. Am I right? Am I wrong? Oh yeah. Uh, add some color. Sure. You you have to catch it early, right? When when you start to get frustrated with the mistakes of someone else, uh, you you want to catch it early because then it's a lot easier to prevent the future problems. Cause because ultimately my job with my clients is to prevent future problems, right? So if I help them to discover uh, an accountability problem where someone's not falling through at the level that they're supposed to, or they didn't do what they said they're going to do, but it's a little minor thing. If I can address that, or more importantly, have the leader address that in their organization real quickly, privately, then this is, this is going to shift that problem that could have been huge in the future to actually nothing because you've, you've stopped it. And there is a process to that. And I would just say to not, not go into that too much because I really want to talk about the personal side accountability. I, I would say that you got to get your story right again. So with empowerment, it's about, you know, being fascinated with your employer or assuming that they are, you know, amazing people with accountability. It's about getting your story right. And what I mean by that is in your head, when someone screws up, you don't go into it going, man, this guy's an a-hole. This guy's an idiot. What is he thinking? Of course he's going to screw it. Like that type of language is going to twist the way you interact with that employee and that accountability conversation is going to be trash. But if you go into it going, you know what? I think this employee has good intention, even if they really screwed up. They had good intention. There's a reason why they did this. Assume the best and then figure out the facts. Get the facts without their input. You know, figure out exactly what happened so you can come to them with the facts of the situation. And then you have that coaching conversation with, with a follow-up of accountability and some sort of a timeline that says, okay, this is what's requested of this employee to do. We want, we're going to follow up with you or I'm going to personally follow up with you about this in a week so that we can get a report on what's changed, right? So if they they did something bad with a, a customer, right? They treated them poorly or whatever it is, 
you're going to make sure to address it on after they've rectified or after they've made their adjustments. You have to address it on the other end. Otherwise, it's not really accountability. It's just kind of badgering, <laughs> telling them to make some shifts or asking them to make some shifts. So you got to follow up on the other end. And that, that sandwich there is what's going to make them uh, think differently uh, in the next situation for sure. So mm. that's on the, that's the external accountability. And then you have the internal accountability, which I think is where you were leaning, uh, Pete, with your, your thoughts. Yeah. And they're, they're both important. Uh, you know, one feeds the other, right? Yeah. Because when you're consistent with your accountability and you follow up, what you're really saying is I care, yeah. right? And when you care, they care. And when you are haphazard, they're going to be haphazard yep. because they think it's okay. And by being very deliberate and by structuring your accountability and your follow-up, I think that kind of leads to that internal accountability that is a place that we need to get to. Um, and one of the things that I would say to my, to a lot of my owners, you know, a lot of you guys and gals have built a really nice business and you're now just starting to hire people. Remember this, have an eye towards this is going to be a future leader of your company and everything that you do and that you say with them is going to impact on their, their ability to be a future leader for your company. They don't have to be, but often your first hires become the future leaders of your company. And so I would encourage you to treat them with the respect and the curiosity that Kyle's recommending. Yeah, and if you can start, there's a there's a carpet cleaning business that I'm working with and he's real afraid to hire somebody right now. And he needs to. They're doing really well. Uh, their goal for the year was to increase their business. And I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but I know they've increased it 30% since working with me, which is really cool. And they put in amazing effort. But now they're getting to the point where he he needs to bring in another person to help clean clean floors. And he's really afraid of that. And I and I said to him, Who who do you think is a good fit? And we had a discussion around that. And then I made the point that, okay, when you're looking for this person, think of them as if they're going to own your business in the future because he wants to sell his business. He's older and he's ready to do that. And if you don't start with the thought that this employee could either, you know, be a leader at some point, a manager, a supervisor, and ideally an owner, you know, a partner then you're probably not hiring the right people. And it's worth waiting for that right person. It's worth it. And I know that finding good employees right now is real hard. Uh, so if you have an employee that looks like they're marginal and they're doing okay, keep them, darn it, because it's really hard to find good ones. And there's the work that we're talking about right now when it comes to empowering. will help you get there with them or help them get there. But one, one suggestion I want to say is I've been studying the concept of creating a, a what's called a thinking environment. And, and it's not my concept. I didn't come up with it. It's a lady by the name of Nancy Klein. And in their research, 30 plus years of research, they've determined that the correct ratio, the minimum ratio of appreciation to criticism is five to one. So when you're working with your employees, you need, we need to be finding five things that we appreciate about them for the one time we criticize, the one time we give them, you know, we call it negative feedback, if you will. 
If we don't do that unconsciously, this is impacting them in a negative way. Now, when you do the five appreciations with, with the one feedback, there's a different development of that emotional bank account, if you will, right? You're, you're feeding into that, you're depositing into that emotional bank account for them. And then when you have to withdraw with the negative comment or the negative criticism, then they're okay with it still because there's still enough investment in them on the appreciation side. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team. And so there's 15 players on the team. My daughter is sixth grade. It goes from sixth to eighth grade. So there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot going on in that age range. And so I am very intentionally at every practice and especially during games, even yelling onto the field, appreciation towards them. And then at some point at the, in the game, if, if I've appreciated them enough, I, I will criticize or give them feedback to one or two of them. And I know the ones that can take it easier, a little bit more in public than others can, but I've built them up in that way. And then at the end of the game, I, whether we win or lose, I ask them, I circle them up at the end of the game and I say, what are the three things? I want you to be thinking about the three things that you did really well in this game. What are those three things? Think about it. And we're going to, I want you to bring that to practice. And then also think of the one thing that you could work on, right? So now they're evaluating themselves and they're getting some self-coaching. So I think this is a big picture, big part of the picture of helping people to be accountable, right? Accountable to the performance. I do this with my coaching clients as well. At the end of calls, I say something about them that I really appreciate. And then I ask them to draw out from the conversation the thing that was most valuable to them, that they said. And it's not about me, because I'm primarily just asking them questions, drawing out of them their primary insight that may not even come out of their mouth yet. It's still in their head. And when you do that, now they're starting to take ownership of the process, you know, on, on the field with the soccer team, in the coaching with the actual coaching process. And of course, within the organization, when you're appreciating them and then asking them to draw out what they did well, what did you do really well this week? What went well in that sale? What you, you didn't get the sale, but what went well anyway? Right. That is creating this ownership and accountability that is super. I use that word too much, but really helpful. <laughs> that is really great advice. So, our traditional sandwich is just missing a few layers. Correct. Compliment, correct. Compliment. We, we need, we, we need more. No, it's I'm, not an Oreo anymore. People call it an Oreo. That's not, that's not right. It's not. No, it's five layers of bacon, and then you get whatever the negative is, right? <laughs> well, I'm glad that you agree with me that bacon is awesome. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so what unpack this? You know, I, I, I really wanted to read your book before I came uh, on the show with you, and uh, I, I just couldn't find it anywhere, and I promise you that I'm going to read it uh, because this is fascinating to me. Um, what else is in the book that we need to uh, help um, our retailers who are listening and our business uh, people who are listening? What else is in that book that we should try to highlight in the next, you know, 10 minutes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the book is about your mindsets and habits as a leader. And so... I wrote it in such a way that I use metaphors and stories, my stories, client stories, stories from history to get those mindsets and habits kind of more embedded into people's minds. 
But at the same time, I wrote it in a way that makes those things super practical, right? So if I'm talking about journaling, then I, and I give some examples in there about the power of journaling and how that works and then give you ways to do it. And that's basically the premise of how I work through the book and the 20 different mindsets and the 20 different habits of, of a leader, right? Of a great leader in, in the accountability section of the book. So let me break down what blue means because most people don't realize that blue is actually an acronym. So blue blue stands for four things. And Pete and listeners, if you want to picture a leader's a, a house, just picture a regular home, right? Every home needs to have a foundation. If you don't have a foundation, that the home is it's not going to work. It's going to collapse. It's not going to be a good thing, as we all know. Well, that foundation in leadership is self awareness, right? So we need to have that self awareness in our lives. When you take when you get past that, be a self aware leader. Now you can lead the L, you can lead with accountability. And accountability is the nails that holds that leadership house together. Without accountability for yourself and for others, the house is going to crumble, it's going to crush you, and it's going to crush anyone else that you're leading. And that obviously is not a good thing. Then the U in blue is use a gross mindset. So this is the idea of the walls and the roof of a leadership house. And it's also the interior of the home too. Over the years, we need to paint the exterior. We need to paint the interior. We need to move furniture. We need to replace mattresses. (laughs) We need to do a lot of different things to adjust and pivot and shift our homes, right? And in some cases, people put additions on their homes. This is the exact same with our leadership. As we grow, sometimes it's nuanced growths like that mattress replacement, that couch replacement. Other times it's you're completely remodeling the kitchen or you're adding an addition to your home. Right. So that's, that's your user growth mindset. And then the E is empower others. And we've already really dove into that, but it's the windows and doors of the house. It's where people get to see into your leadership and go, wow, I, I want to work at that mattress place. I want to work with Pete. That looks amazing to be led by him. I want to be under that roof. And so people knock on your door and you, you interview them and you let them in. Right. And then you deploy all these things that we've been talking about. So that's what the leadership house is. And that's what the framework is for blue. The one area that I want to maybe emphasize some more that's in the book is the accountability side. Cause Pete, you were, you were talking about it and that's the, the yep. personal accountability. Yeah. So what is a goal that you have in mind right now, Pete? Something fairly big that you want to accomplish professionally or personally. Oh. I want to extract myself from my business and hand off the leadership of my business to my wife. That's pretty big. Yeah. And what is, what is the purpose behind that for you? What makes that meaningful? Um, well, I'm 63 and I want this business to survive when I leave this earth. And I want it to be in her hands. Now, the reality is it's already in her hands. She's been running it for years. She just hasn't gotten credit for it. <laughs> okay. So you you want the business to live on. You want your wife to get credit for the work she's already put into it. Yeah. And how many people have you told this this goal to? Approximately. Three. Okay. So... In in the book, I talk about something called an accountability pass, P-A-S-S. And what I'm this first part is the P in pass, which is passive accountability. 
And the way it works is you come up with your goal, which is to transition your business to into your, to your wife's hands, create that legacy, and make sure the business continues on. The side benefit of that is all these families that you're supporting by running this business continue to have a livelihood because the business is still running, right? Like that's a beautiful thing as well. So now you start to tell your story to people that I want, I want to do this and you can, you probably want to put a timeline on it, all those regular goal things. And of the 20, 30, 40 people that you start sharing that with, you know, directly sharing it with some of them, typically it's 10% will follow up with you, right? So let's say you tell 30 people. So now those people that are following up with you are passively keeping you accountable. In addition, when you're just telling them, you're keeping yourself passively accountable because you're like, I got to be in, have integ- integrity here. <laughs> I told them I was going to do this, so I better follow through, right? Because nobody wants to be a liar. <laughs> so when you say this thing you want to do and you tell a bunch of people, all of a sudden the weight of it, the stakes are higher. Mm. And then the more clear you make it. So the second part of, of the passive is... The, you make it super clear as if it's happened already, right? What that looks like is you write down in detail, 250 words-ish, as if it's two years from now or whenever you want this to happen, that your wife is now running the business. It's really successful. There's this many employees. She's this happy. You're this happy. You've done this vacation. Your employees are at this new level, blah, blah, blah. All these details. And that creates this new story in your mind that your unconscious doesn't doesn't know the difference between What's going on in reality today and this beautifully painted picture? Because when you make that picture so real, your unconscious mind has to make it real as well. And so it starts to go to work on accomplishing that goal, which creates some more passive accountability because it's not something you have to work at. You just create that really clear narrative as if it's already happening and then your mind goes to work on it. So that's, that's passive. There's more details to that and there's science behind it, but I'm going to run out of time. <laughs> so. That's the P. The A is active accountability. Active is, remember I said you told 30 people and three people followed up? So Pete, let's say one of those people is a guy named John. And you, and John says, hey, Pete, what's going on with, with you transitioning out of your business so your wife can take over? Well, you let them know what's going on. And then afterwards, you say, hey, John, would it be cool if you and I met on a weekly or biweekly basis to talk about the goals that I have and the goals that you have? And we'll just chat about them over coffee. And keep each other accountable to moving forward on those things. So now you've created an accountability partner and a bit of a mastermind at the same time, which is fantastic, right? So that's active accountability. And those meetings need to be over the phone, over, over, you know, video like we're doing or in person. They can't be text messages and emails. That, that doesn't count. That doesn't work. The first S in pass is structures. And this, this is short and simple. It's your to do list. And your calendar, right? Those are your structures. The to-do list is your plan to pull it off and the details of that plan written down, saved. You know, I do it digitally and I urge business owners to do it digitally as well because that's another conversation, but it saves a ton of time. It's way better. Anyway, uh, on the other side, it's calendar, which is the people. So the to-do list is the things and the calendar is the people. All the people you need to be meeting with to accomplish this goal and staying on top of those meetings. And then the second S is uh, self-accountability. So Pete, have you ever skydived or done ziplining before? Nope. Did not do that. Okay. So you can imagine ziplining. Most people can imagine ziplining. They've seen it or, or, or even bungee jumping. When I went when, on my honeymoon, I went to Costa Rica with my wife many, many years ago. And we did the zipline thing. 
And it was in is in this amazing forest. One of the one of the lines was a thousand feet long, which is a long way to be zipping over a forest. It was really amazing. I get up to that platform. I'm going. I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to do it. This is going to be awesome. And we had already done some other. We had already gotten to that point. So I've done shorter ones and a little bit longer ones or whatever. But we got to the longest one, and it was it was this point where I couldn't. I, I had to do it, right? I'm already in the middle of the forest. I'm already on this tour. And it's not like you can go up the zip line. And it's not like you can climb down the tree. I'm committed. I have to do this thousand foot long over the forest canopy zip line. There's no other options for me. And so that to me is a really good example of commitment. I, there, I, there is no other option but me to go, but for me to go forward. And so when it comes to this goal that you have, Pete, the question you can ask yourself is what can I do that makes it where I cannot return? There is no, I cannot go backward. I have to be going forward. And for listeners, it's the same idea. Whatever that goal is for you, what is that point of no return? Because that makes it way more likely you're going to accomplish your goal. Long story short, the science behind this is through a study of Michigan at Michigan State and also through a study of the, what is it called? The American Society of Training and Development, ASTD, they, they rate that if you follow this process, you're, the likelihood of accomplishing your goal is between 76% and 95%. The Michigan State research showed 76% and the other research showed 95%. So I lean towards 76% just to be, to not get people to be going like, whatever, that's ridiculous. So I'll stick with the 76%. But those components, that pass is the process you need to walk through. Yeah, I would just based on my um my understanding of looking back in history and what I did and how it turned out, I would agree with that. This is very smart, very good. And I love this active accountability when you detail it and you make it come to life. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it you know? When you, when you bring it into your conscious mind, um, and then you're really embedding it in your subconscious mind. Yeah. So it's playing in the background. I mean, when you create that, that's, that's very powerful. Well, my friend, we have about 10 minutes left, actually eight minutes left. And I want you to talk about anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about. So if there was a question that I didn't ask, you go ahead, ask the question and answer it. Sure. I think maybe the question would be, how do I get my employees to think for themselves is, is a good question because a lot of the time employees, they're just so used to coming to you. And, and I heard a, a author um, <laughs> that I've worked with before. He, he has a comment. He says, employees farm out their thinking to their leaders. And I love that metaphor. I mean, I grew up on an orange farm. So for me, it, it kind of, it connects the dots really well, but like they come to you with a problem. And instead of coming to you with the solution, like you have your employees, Pete, do they, they come to you with a problem and then they expect you to have an answer. So you're doing the work, right? They're bringing you the problem and you have to do the, the, the soil work and the harvesting and all that to come up with the solution. Right. So how do you get them to pivot, pivot gears? Well, obviously it's that forward question. What do you think? 
But I think even more importantly than that is you have to create a space within yourself of ease, comfort, appreciation, listening, uh, respect. All those things need to be kind of embodied in you as the leader when you're interacting with your employees. If you do that, then when Joe or Susie comes to you with a problem, you're going to be at ease with them, right? You're going to be comfortable. You're already fascinated with them. So you already know that there's a brilliant insight within them if they have that space to think. So as leaders, we, we want to provide that type of environment within ourselves first, create that within ourselves, and second, within the context of the actual workplace, right? So when, when someone comes into your office and your office is a cluttered mess and it's uncomfortable and they're wanting to have a conversation with you, you're not creating ease for that employee. If they go into a meeting and the meeting people are arriving late and they're talking over each other and there's there's this rudeness to that context, that doesn't create ease and comfortability. So that's going to be a problem. So I would I would encourage people to just contemplate on what does it look like to create an environment within yourself where you're calm, you're comfortable, you're at ease. And then within your workplace where people have their discussions so that they can also experience that calm, comfortable, and ease and freely think for themselves. Uh, That's one of the things that jumps to mind for me when it comes to empowering and giving people the ability to think for themselves. Yeah. And any store owners and or reps or and or business owners out there, think about when you worked for a boss and you are really super comfortable with them, and you are super creative, you'll find that this was the way they were. You felt comfortable. They respected you. There was an ease to all the conversations because you felt respected and because you were comfortable. And so how do you, as as a leader, how do you bring that to the forefront of your mind and your heart because a lot of it a feeling and how do you get that into your employees heart and their mind that they feel that way and i'll tell you what kyle this was this was great i mean you are just i am going back in time and i am thinking about the best leaders and the worst leaders to this <laughs> prism. And it's absolutely 100% true. And I would really encourage everybody that has listened and gotten value out of our talk today, go grab uh, Kyle's book. Um, it is, you know, this is, uh, this, this was a, a, a lot of value that you brought to the table today. Uh, buy right now leadership. Right now, I think you can get it at Barnes and Noble right right this minute, and I'm sure it'll be on Amazon soon. But right now, leadership by Kyle Gillette. Uh, don't waste any time getting it. What would you like to leave our uh, our listeners with, Kyle? Don't complicate it. Yeah, be be a human. <laughs> don't complicate yeah. it. Slow down. I've I've been doing some some thinking about my business and my clients and my coaching and the feedback that I continue to get from that meditating and prayer and all all that work is calm down, slow down, relax. 
those are, that's the message I keep on getting. Just calm down, slow down, relax. And when I do that, what does that do for me? It makes me present. And, and, you know, the concept of the book is right now, right? Be available right now. Be a leader right now, because now is your moment to lead. And so if I'm not present and I'm stressed and I'm freaking out, then I cannot be there for them in that moment. And I can't lead right now in that moment. So if I can calm down, relax, that's going to help me to be present for them. Uh, so that's, that's what I would, would say. Chill out. Hundred percent. I think um, when we start to find ourselves getting wound up in our work day, and it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You got to figure out how to put yourself in the corner and have a little talk with yourself. And if that does not solve the issue, you have a trusted leader in your company. Um, a lot of times, it's your spouse that. And you can share with, with them what you're feeling and why you're feeling it and start to talk yourself down and chill out. I, I mean, it's easy to say and it's hard to do in the moment. And sometimes it's, it goes back to the whole gratitude thing. What am I thankful for? Yep. You know, I own this company. I'm a leader in this company. You know, I have this position of responsibility to my fellow man. You know, am I executing right now at the level that they deserve and that I deserve? And is this my best? Is this my best? And if it's not my best, don't go forward until you can be at your best. You know, catching yourself early is probably the best single thing that you can do. Kyle, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how should they reach out to you? Yep. Uh, real simple. Go to blueshirtcoaching.com and you can apply to have a conversation with me, set up set up a conversation. But also, I mean, you could find me on LinkedIn and just message me directly, start a conversation. Uh, a lot of the, maybe the struggles that people are are having as it relates to what you just mentioned, that's a lot of what I address. Like I go real deep with my clients. Yes, we've talked about a lot of the the... Uh, business side of things. But when it comes to those limitations that we put on ourselves as leaders, and that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with my clients that moves them forward exponentially because now we're dealing with that deeper stuff that is getting taken care of, right? So uh, yeah, feel free to reach out LinkedIn and also blueshirtcoaching.com. Kyle, thanks a million for being here. And everybody, till next week, sell a million. <laughs> <laughs>